Each 4th of July, we celebrate the wonder we have, which is freedom in the United States, freedom to worship our God, freedom of speech. But today, the Apostle Paul reminds us of, of an even greater freedom that we have in Jesus. This sermon was originally recorded at Meadowview Elementary School, July 7th, 2013. I'm going to give consideration and contemplation to two of the verses that I read previously from Galatians chapter 5 where St. Paul's talking about freedom. And I'll read them again in just a moment. We're going to look specifically at verses 13 and 14. But uh, let's start out with this. Uh, anybody been to a concert at Red Rocks? Okay, a chunk of you. And even if you've never been there, most of you probably know where that's at, right? <clears throat> I was 20 years here. Uh, without ever going out to Red Rocks for a concert, and I'd always heard wonderful things and didn't realize what I was missing. Not a big fan of country, hillbilly kind of music, but the first concert I went to out there was back around 2003 or so. Alison Krauss, know her? Union Station, got a voice like an angel. She could have skipped the microphone and the speakers and everything and just sung, and you would have heard her perfectly, right? And it was just a gorgeous night. I think it was called the High Mountain Festival or something like that. Good groups. And I just thought that that was angels singing out there. And I've been back to several concerts ever since. And it, it truly is unique. And artists love to come there. And we cherish that as a venue to listen to our music. However, <clears throat> the other night I was out there. And the concert is the Abbott Brothers. Heard of these guys? Now that's pretty good stuff. It's not heavy metal craziness. It's not namby-pamby, floaty stuff, you know, where you just got to absolutely be quiet, just listen to the tunes. You can enjoy yourself without being a lunatic, like, well, let's see, if widespread panic or megadeth were playing there or something like that, okay? <clears throat> About 15 to 20 feet away from me, there's a couple of guys, just a couple of guys, and they're loud talkers. And we all know loud talkers, right? And they stick out even in a place like Red Rocks. And the Abbott Brothers play some loud, happy, moving-along tunes, but they also play some ballads. And it didn't matter what they were playing, you could hear these two guys. And that's all you heard. And about halfway through the concert, a lady sitting right in front of me turns over there and she just says, could you guys pipe down a bit? And then I thought the fur was going to fly because the guys paused. They heard her and they knew what she was saying, but they didn't say anything. The girlfriend of one of the guys, it's Independence Day. They can do what they want. And therein is the rub, is it not? The tension between my independence and my freedom to express myself over against simple consideration of other people who also live under the same freedom and independence. This is a spiritual issue. It is also a cultural or a nat national issue. Very appropriate for us at the end of 4th of July celebration on this weekend to consider the fact that we live just like Martin Luther said we do, with a foot in each kingdom, the kingdom of God's right hand, which is the kingdom of grace, the kingdom of heaven. That's where we're going. We're a citizen of heaven. And we live in a country. We live under rules and guidelines and government, what Luther called the kingdom of God's left hand. And the idea of freedom and yet consideration for the privileges of others come into tension sometimes in both kingdoms. St. Paul, in a general sort of way, is applying that, first of all, to the kingdom of the church. We can also take that and say, because we live where we do, this principle of freedom over against consideration for others 
is a national or a cultural consideration as well. <coughs> Verses 13 and 14 of Galatians 5 help us to do that. Paul says, you, my brothers, were called to be free. Don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. To get us thinking along the lines of how that applies culturally as well as spiritually, let's begin by talking about the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence. That's your trivia for the day. There were 56. They all happened to be male. Today, probably we would have gender equality and we would have had 28 of each, and that's a good thing, perhaps. 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence. As Paul Harvey would say, here's the rest of the story, and maybe some of you have heard this, maybe you have not. Of those 56, 12 of them had their homes invaded, ransacked, and ultimately burned by British soldiers. Five of them were taken captive and tortured, and all five happened to die in prison. Two of them had sons who were killed in the Revolutionary War. Another two, or another one, had two sons who were captured and held for the duration of the war by British soldiers. Nine other signers, apart from the five who died because they were tortured, nine others either died from bullets or from the hardships put upon the culture during the Revolutionary War. In other words, their life, once they signed that little piece of paper and said we're free, was not necessarily a piece of cake. And they paid a heavy, heavy price, even if they survived, for the independence that they claimed. It would have been illogical if you had said to them in the early 1780s, you know, that was fun, and it's been an interesting five or six years, but those of you who still survive, how about we go back under British rule? Why don't we do that just for kicks and see how it turns out this time? That would have been illogical. The price was too high, the, the, the risk was, was too great, and, and, and the freedom was, was too beautiful to simply hand that back. If you understand the illogical nature of a proposition such as, why don't we give back our national freedom and go under the rule of another nation, you'll understand what St. Paul's talking about here in a much more important context. He's addressing an audience that is made up primarily of people who grew up Jewish with the Old Testament laws, and, and if you count them up, that's approximately 630 commands. We tend to say, well, there's 10 commandments in the Old Testament. No, that's the Decalogue. That's the blueprint. It's like the Bill of Rights. Here's a few rights, and here comes the rest of the story. 620 other stipulations that God put on his people that govern every aspect of their daily life. What you will eat, how you can kill that food that you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, how you pay a price if you've hurt somebody's animal, the various things for which you are put to death, not, not just fined or put in prison, but things for which you are put to death. Every aspect of Jewish life in the Old Testament is stipulated by God in 630 statements. By the time that Jesus and St. Paul come around, Pharisees and Sadducees, you've heard of those guys, right? They've expanded that 630 sets of rules to 2010. You understand why Jesus said, I've come to give you a little freedom? people living under the burden of having to know 2,000-plus rules and regulations of how I should please God. 
And so St. Paul says to the Jewish believers in the Christian church, why would you go back to living under Old Testament law? He says just as truthfully to Gentile believers, you used to worship wood and stone and weather and you would bring grain offerings and you would do some despicable things all because you're afraid of whoever those gods might be that are floating around out there. Why would you go back to that craziness and living in the fear that, that if I don't do these things, God's going to come and schmuck me? You have freedom in Christ. It would be illogical to go back to living under fear and regulation because what's happened? The issue was too great. It, it's not a matter of just do I have independence for the 70 years that I'm here on the planet? We're talking about eternity here. The, the price was too high. This is God himself who came down and obeyed every last rule of God perfectly. And on top of that, he's on a cross and he suffers the hell that each of us deserves and comes out of a grave three days later and says, you're free. So the cost was high. And the status is one that St. Paul calls reconciliation. Well, we don't have any internal peace. God said, it's okay. I've made peace with you, and that's all that matters. Why would you leave that? To be a reconciled child of God, to go back and live under law and fear and guilt. That's illogical. But that's exactly what's happening in the church at Galatia. People sacrificing the freedom that they have in Christ to live under stipulation and regulation. It's not a bad thing for us to pause on the 4th of July and to just reflect as Christians and also as citizens of the freedom that we have to do what we're doing right here. And to say the things that we just said when the Nicene Creed was up on the, on the screen there. Right? I, I've got a cousin who's now a retired pastor. He retired a year ago. His name also happens to be the same as mine. We used to get each other's physical mail. Now we get each other's email, stuff like that. His name is Marcus. My name is Mark. He's 10 years older. He's a Wells pastor. Uh, he's far more better known than I am. He's got more money than I do. He's better looking than I am. And I say, so what? I live in Colorado, you live in Minnesota. <laughs> there, there you go. He's also the head of something called Friends of China. Increasingly, people are finding out what that is in, in the Wisconsin Synod. Marcus's dream is that people in Colorado would be as in tune as the people of Minneapolis and now Phoenix and other places with what Friends of China is. In a nutshell, this parachurch organization made up of Wells people, but not under the Wells structure, that sends 50 to 60 people over to China every year to teach English as a second language at elementary and secondary and even university levels. They go there to teach. Most of them are trained teachers from Martin Luther College. Some of them are lay people who happen to have gifts of love and care and they don't need much to live off of. And they go and teach English in China. The rules and regulations under which we operate is teach English to Chinese people. If they ask you about your Christian faith, you're free to tell them what you believe, only if they ask. If they want to have Bible classes with you, you're free to do that as long as there's not more than 20 people in the room. That's the rules and regs of the Chinese government as far as Christianity. You're free to talk, free to even worship as long as there's not more than 20 in the room. Foreigners who come there, you can talk about Jesus as long as you don't promote Jesus and advertise Jesus. Understand? 
my kids were there and did this for a couple of years. I had the opportunity to go there and teach for a week myself and to teach advanced Bible classes to the students we had over there as well as to teach to university Beijing students who are Chinese. But here's some of the deeper truths of, of Scripture. And every time I hear Marcus talk, about friends of China, or every time I reflect on what it was like to be there and what it was like for my children, I am almost caused to get on my knees and to say, do we fully appreciate what we have? We have the freedom of the forgiveness of sins and status as Christian people, even as millions of people live in China and don't have a clue as to what that concept is. And not only do we have that freedom, we can gather like this and say, yes, we do have freedom in Christ. And that's the only way to heaven. Whereas we would be unable to say that narrowly and that publicly those same things if we lived in China. St. Paul says we are free in Christ. Something to contemplate as citizens of the kingdom of heaven as well as citizens of the kingdom in the United States. Second thing here, St. Paul would say, yes, we're free, but we're not independent of one another. We're free, but we are not independent of one another. That's something with which we contend nowadays. Supreme Court's had a sort of tough two years, haven't they, if you follow that closely. They've had to make some tough decisions, and they haven't been necessarily popular when they hand down the decisions. Obamacare, everybody thought it's going to go five to four in favor of conservatives. It went five to four because one in favor of liberals, if you want to use that term, because one man thought, I don't want to politicize the court. And he did that, John Roberts is his name, right? He did that because he really thought the court was becoming too political. That charge has not gone away. A year later, they got to make decisions on voting rights and on so-called gay rights. And everybody looks at the court now and says it's become too politicized. And people in northeast Colorado said, that's it, last straw. Legalize marijuana in this state, legalize marriage, can't tell you have our guns like we used to. Whole nation's going to hell in a handbasket. Best we can do is be a little new state called Northeast Colorado or whatever. Leave this state, maybe hook up with Nebraska or Wyoming or whatever, just be independent. And everybody would say, well, that's all indicative that we are culturally more divided, black and white, red and blue, than at any time since the Civil War. We, we just cannot agree. There is that much division among us culturally. And both conservative and liberal would say that's true. The cause of that is summed up by one op-ed section of the paper recently. The man said, individual freedom has obliterated the idea of dependence upon one another. Individual freedom has obliterated the idea of dependence upon one another. That's why the court is having a tough time. That's why Congress can't get along. That's why families are split right down the middle on some of these various issues. Because my independence... My, my freedom to express myself no longer takes into account that there's other people around me. I gave you a case in point from Red Rocks the other night. It, it got worse on the way home. There's traffic jams, right? And I get stuck in a traffic jam in a neighborhood not far from my house. And a guy on a motorcycle says, I'm above any laws that says I've got to stay in the road. And never mind consideration that there might still be people walking on these sidewalks as they go back from the fireworks. I'm going to take my Harley and I'm going to go up on the sidewalk and get around the traffic jam there. Right? 
And independence enables people to say, I don't care if you don't want to listen to my smack music. I got speakers that I paid thousands of dollars for. I'm going to roll the windows down. You could be 100 yards away, and you're still going to hear every vulgar piece of it, right? And I get home, and the stuff from the neighbors didn't stop until 1.30 in the morning. Fireworks aren't legal. I guess they are legal in Thornton. You can have them. You just can't set them off. Weird rule we have up in Thornton. But they went off till 1.30 in the morning. Now, why is that so? Individual freedom has obliterated the idea of dependence upon one another. We seem to have forgotten regard for one another in the name of expressing ourselves individually. St. Paul addresses that, second part of verse 13. Don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. I guess in his context, if you were smart as a person to realize that I have freedom in Christ and I'm free to eat pig now, I'm not going to invite over some of my relatives that maybe aren't as light and saying, guess what, we're having ham, or we're having a pork loin today, or we're having barbecued pork sandwiches, right? Why would I take my freedom from a dietary law now and impose it on somebody else? Or with worship life, I'm not obligated to do the ritual that we did in the Old Testament. I might invite my relatives to go to synagogue with me, and we will express ourselves without using the Old Testament Psalms because they're passe, old-fashioned, don't need them anymore. Why would I use my freedom to make somebody else feel miserable? And it applies not only spiritually for eternal rock congregations. It applies culturally. Why would I take the freedom that I have in Christ and the freedom that I have as a citizen to express myself and use that in a sinful way to make somebody else's life miserable? The mind of Christ would be exactly what St. Paul says, you're called to be free. Don't use your freedom to indulge a sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. So it's not about my rights and my freedom to express myself. It is rather about my capability, guided by the Spirit, to serve one another in love. That's freedom. I suspect when those who were raised in the Old Testament covenant read those words from St. Paul, they found it extremely difficult to put into practice. It ought to be simple, right? Serve one another in love. But they were being asked for the first time in their life to do something that involved thinking. Up to this point, God defined for me what was loving and unliving to another person in every aspect of my life. Food, clothing, worship, government, it was all regulated by God himself. Now he says in a simple sort of way with no further explanation other than verse 14, serve one another in love. And I can just see people starting to tear their hair out. What does that mean? God's asking me to think how awful can that get? And so he gives no further definition other than verse 14 where he says the entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and I suspect that we operate with the same difficulty. The times we would say, I, I would like the letter of the law to be applied here. I'd like somebody just to tell me what to do. How little can I get away with as far as consideration for you and still be pleasing to God? And the Lord simply says, no, the entire law is summed up in this word, love. 
and it might be stated, how much could I do for somebody else at Eternal Rock? Or how much could I do for that neighbor that's maybe sitting at home this morning drinking Budweiser and working on his Harley? How much could I do for him to demonstrate Christian love? There's a man by the name of Peter Marshall. You ever heard the name? Okay, and some of you are thinking, oh yeah, host of the Hollywood Squares back in the 70s and 80s, right? No. Peter Marshall, pretty well-known pastor. <coughs> Go back to the 1940s. He served as chaplain for the U.S. Senate. And he was dealing with this issue 70 years ago. And here's some rules, or here's some words that he wrote. The choice before us is plain. Christ or chaos? Can you imagine saying that today? In the confines of the Senate? But he could get away with it back then, and he was speaking absolute truth. He was saying, I bring my Christianity into the civil realm. So the choice before us is plain. Christ or chaos? Conviction or compromise? Discipline or disintegration? I'm rather tired of hearing about my rights and my privileges as an American citizen. Time has come and the time is now when we ought to hear about the responsibilities of our citizenship. America's future depends upon her accepting and demonstrating God's operation through our lives and government. Now think about that. I was spoken 60 or 70 years ago and he viewed the time as critical, post-World War II. My rights, my privileges, and he said that's going to lead us down a slippery slope and to a bad end. And I wonder what he would think as he looks down from heaven today if, if we've actually thought about that anymore. Galatians 5 asks us to think. How do we take the freedom in Christ, celebrate it here, and share it with the community? There's a ton of different applications and ideas. I'll, I'll give you just a handful. Once your freedom in Christ enable you to say, I am free to think about life for what it really is, a gift from God. It's not to be terminated while the life is still in the womb. It's not to be marginalized when the citizen is no longer useful to the entire culture and just get out of the way. That's what life is. I am free under Christ to say marriage is a gift from God. And what she says, it's going to work out best if you have one woman and one man involved. Not Adam and Steve, but Adam and Eve. Not Adam and a bunch of wives, but Adam and, and one wife. And it'll work out best, trust me. I'm free in Christ to say my sexuality is an expression of care and concern. It's not my entertainment. It's not something that I impose upon somebody else. But it's a beautiful thing that God gives to me. And I can demonstrate that to one other special person. God says your freedom in Christ enables you to look at your job and say, yeah, it's miserable. It's been that way ever since Genesis 3. First thing God said to Adam, hope you enjoyed farming previously because now it's going to be miserable. Right? And my job is miserable to this day because of it. But, but what a privilege to even have the capability to go out and earn daily bread and to share that with, with my family and with whoever else might need a handout. And one other aspect of this might be, could we start to think about freedom that we have in Christ as accountability rather than entitlement? It's not something I'm owed. It's something which the Lord God gave to me through the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave me freedom. I'm accountable for understanding that. I'm accountable for applying that. Not just here with a bunch of other happy Lutherans and donuts and coffee and the Lord's Supper. 
We are free in Christ. But the ability to take that freedom that we have in Christ and to share that with a lost and spiraling downward culture and to say, you too are in freedom in Christ. Not because a bunch of signers said so 200 and some years ago on a Declaration of Independence, but because St. Paul said so on a scroll inspired by God. You're free in Christ. You're free to express yourself. You're free to express that to a lost and dying world. God help us to that end.